0: Reading the Book of Romans, chapter five, which you can find on page one thousand one hundred and thirty two of the Bibles either in front of you or just behind. So Romans chapter five, we're reading verses one to eleven. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation.
1: Thanks, Casey. Well, uh, let's start by praying and asking God uh, to help us understand this passage and to be applying it to our lives. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we've just sung Rejoice. Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of our praise. Lord God, you are worthy of our praise. And we can rejoice even in those times of suffering, in the midst of suffering. You will help us to sing. You will wipe away those tears and you hear us when we cry. Lord, help us to understand as we think about where our hope can be found. Would you please speak to us and help us not just be hearers of your word, but doers also? And we ask this. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, So if you're visiting us today, uh, we're going through Paul's letter to the Romans. And just a whistle-stop tour, what we've seen so far before chapter 5. Chapters 1 and 2 help us to understand how all of us, we've all wandered away from God. And that the most important issue in our life is actually the fact that we are alienated from God. And then we get to chapter three and four and Paul tells us that the good news of Jesus Christ, how he has rescued us, how he has brought us back into a right relationship with God for all those who believe and trust in him. So now we get to chapter five and Paul is going to be building on those arguments and what we've seen so far. So we're going to think about this chapter five and our indestructible hope. I wonder, what are you hoping for this morning? There might be all kinds of things that we might be hoping for. Perhaps you're hoping for a new job. You've got an interview coming up and you think this would be just the right thing at the right time. I'm hoping for this job. Perhaps you're hoping that Brighton and Hove Albion are going to stay in the premiership for another year. Perhaps that's your hope. Perhaps your hope is what's happening in your family life. Perhaps there's some difficulty and you're hoping that this year, next year, there will be healing and things will get better. Or perhaps, as we were thinking about in the batches, we are hoping that grace will grow up strong and healthy and to know Jesus as her Lord. We all have all sorts of different hopes. Some are small hopes. Some are big hopes, aren't they? But I wonder how secure are those hopes that we are hoping in today? Because you only have to turn on the TV or or get the the info from your your BBC News app. And it tells us that we live in a world of suffering. Perhaps people are all too aware of of the suffering that we experience in life. And think about hope and think about suffering. Often the things that we hope for in this life can be threatened when suffering comes along, can't they? Suffering can not only threaten our hopes, but sometimes it can destroy our hopes too which is why we don't like it. No one likes suffering. No one is is keen when suffering comes along, particularly if it affects our our relationships or affects our hopes for our family or perhaps our health. Suffering threatens those things. But what Paul is describing in Romans chapter 5 is something really unique, something that you do not see anywhere else in the world. What Paul is talking about, what we have here in the Bible, is a kind of indestructible hope. An indestructible hope that not only isn't threatened by suffering, but get this, it's actually enhanced by it. This indestructible hope is not threatened by suffering, but actually enhanced by it. So we're going to split this up as we think about what Paul says about what it means to have hope in the good times and how we need to kind of realign our hopes with what God wants us to to hope in, but also how we can keep hope in the hard times as well. And that's the majority of of Paul's uh, passage here. So let's firstly think then about having hope in the good times. And Paul tells us about a new state of being. He tells us about a new place we're living in. And he tells us about this new future. So let's first start off by thinking about the new state of being. Have a look at verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, so that's him summing up those previous chapters, we've been made right with God just by trusting in Jesus' sacrifice. He says, therefore, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing Paul tells us, we have a new state of being, That's the first thing that we hope in, and it is in having peace with God. Now, we experience peace on a day-to-day basis, perhaps in all sorts of different ways. We might feel a sense of peace when we're going out for a walk in the morning and and taking the dog on a walk. Or perhaps we have peace when when we're sitting down reading a nice, quiet book in a coffee shop. We experience peace in all sorts of different ways, but that's the experience of it. What Paul is talking about is something else. He's not talking about so much the experience of peace, although that does come from it. He is talking about the status of being at peace. Do you see the difference? He says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is that our indestructible hope starts with a peace treaty. It's like two warring countries sitting down. And perhaps reparations being made or something, but a peace treaty coming out. Those countries were once at war, but now they are at peace. And Paul has made the case that in chapters three and four, we have that peace because of the peace bringer, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ, the son of God. But what Paul is saying for those who, who find their indestructible hope in God, they have peace with God, which means what's the opposite of peace? It's war. It's being enemies of God. And that's what he says in verse 10. He says, for if while we were God's enemies. But he's saying for Christians, you are no longer God's enemies. You are at peace with God. He's quite black and white, isn't he? He says that people are either at war with God, we're either enemies of God, verse 10, or we are at peace with God. Verse 1. There isn't a a sliding scale. There isn't kind of a sitting on the fence in the middle. There isn't really an agnosticism, to want a a better word. He says we are enemies of God, which is why we we confess our sins. That's why we do that every every Sunday, to realize that we are not God and that he is. That's what, what sin is. When the Bible is talking about sin, it is talking about setting our own selves up as God instead of letting God be God. But to have peace with God, then, well, what does that mean? Well, firstly, it means to have our sins forgiven, white clean, as if we hadn't lived that kind of life, as if we hadn't have done those things. We are forgiven. You see, the Bible is telling us that a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is someone who has peace with God because Jesus died for them. And they have put their hope in him. That is where they find their indestructible hope, It's this new state of being, They are at peace with God, but also a new state of being. We've also see a new place that they live in as well. And we see this in verse two. Have a look. He says, this Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. What Paul is saying here is that we have access to the father through Jesus We remember, don't we, when Jesus died on the cross, the the curtain in the temple was ripped from two, symbolizing that through Jesus, we now have access to God. We are no longer on the outside. Through Jesus, we've been brought in to the inside. We have access. We're living in a new place. And actually, our hope, our indestructible hope, is built on the fact that we are adopted as his children. Not only do we have access, not only are our sins forgiven, but we have been adopted into God's very family. And the great thing is adoption doesn't run out. It lasts forever. It lasts for eternity. We have access to God whenever, wherever, and forever. Think about the implications of this. If we have access to God as our father, if we've been adopted into his family, it means that when we die, we don't need to fear what happens to us. We have access not only to him, but where he is. And he's the one that ensured that we can have that. But think about it today. We've already been praying to God, haven't we? We can pray to God as our father because we have access. What an awesome privilege when we we sit here together on a Sunday or, or during the week or in our small groups when we pray to God. It's because we have access to him. We've got a new state of being. We have peace. We've got a new place we're living in. We have access, but also we have a new future. Have a look then at the second bit of verse two. And he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This hope, this this combination of peace with God and access causes us to boast. Not boasting in ourselves. This isn't self-confidence, but confidence in him. Christians should be people who are God boasters, either talking to others about what, what God has done for us. He's given us peace. He's given us access. We, we just want to talk about it. We want to think about it as we're walking along the road. We just want to reflect on the fact and we want to praise God for what he's done. But notice this isn't a kind of an, a, a kind of an ugly arrogance. The world dislikes arrogance on its own, doesn't it? We're, we're we're suspicious of it. I mean, we watch programs like The Apprentice and you see kind of you see the, the, the confidence of the candidates as they go through that. And they think that they are they are absolutely wonderful and will make Lord Sugar's life uh, just a perfect dream. And they're unlike anyone else. We, we dislike that kind of arrogance, that kind of confidence, don't we? But that's not what's going on here. This is a recognition that there is someone who has done something for me that I could not do for myself. I was unable to do it for myself. But Jesus has done it for me. He's given me peace with God. He's given me access to God as my father. And he's given me a future, an indestructible hope. We thought about at the beginning, didn't we, that some hopes can be threatened or can be taken away because of suffering. But this hope. This indestructible hope cannot be taken away. For That's thinking about having hope in the good times. But, but that's all good and well. But what happens if suffering destroys that? What happens if suffering gets at it? Well, Paul goes on to tell us in the rest of this passage how we can have hope in those hard times. And perhaps for you, you are going through a particular hard time, particular suffering at the moment. Paul wants to encourage us that whatever it is we are facing, our hope cannot be taken away because actually the suffering that we experience will make that hope greater. So the end result of suffering for a Christian then isn't the removal of hope, but in greater hope. Do you see that? It's not the removal of hope, but in greater hope. And we start off by seeing how how God is shaping us. He's shaping his children, those who believe and love Jesus in suffering. Have a look at verse three. Paul has said that we boast in the hope we have in God, but not only so, we also glory or we we hope we boast in our sufferings. What a peculiar thing to say. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character, hope. God is shaping us in suffering. Suffering doesn't take away our hope, but it helps us to become more and more like Jesus, because God is the one who is shaping us in those hard times. God helps Christians to not only face suffering, but then he uses that to help to change them. And this is really important to hold on to when we are going through those periods when we are suffering, because the world just tells us that, that suffering is just something terrible. And often suffering is and it's not like we wanted to say that, oh, suffering, great, is now. Oh, I look forward to a bit of suffering. Of course not. Suffering is bad, but God can still use it. It isn't a dead end. Suffering isn't a dead end. One example, perhaps, of, of how the world sees suffering came from a, a, a little green philosopher called Yoda from Star Wars, who says this, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. I resisted the urge of doing the impression. Sorry, Brian. But that's how the world sees it. Suffering is a dead end. It's the the worst thing imaginable. But the Bible doesn't speak in those kind of terms. For For the Christian, suffering isn't a dead end. It leads to hope. Which means we don't have to try and, and be scared or be fearful of suffering when we see it. Because God is able to use it. And it's been my experience that that actually has been the way that God has shaped me most when going through suffering. I was reading uh, something uh, by uh, a writer called Paul Tripp who's, who's experienced quite a lot of illness in the past few years. And uh, he came to this, this realisation He says, God, if the only way you can get to my heart and make me more like Jesus is through this suffering, then I'm open to it. Horrible suffering he was going through. But realizing that if God was going to use that to get to his heart, to change him, to make him more like Jesus, he was willing to let that suffering happen. You see, the truth is that suffering affects Christians differently. Perhaps you've noticed that in the lives of other Christians who have suffered. It affects them differently because of this hope that they have. Look at how Paul builds on this argument. He doesn't say that suffering is a dead end. But look, suffering leads to perseverance, an ability to keep on going during whatever you are suffering. And what does that create? Well, that creates character a different way of living, a different approach to things when you suffer. And how does this finish up? Well, with greater hope that this life is not that all there is. Suffering affects Christians differently because God is the one shaping us as we suffer. But not only is God shaping us like like clay in a potter's hands. But God is also the one on the inside of us, helping us as we suffering. It's really important to remember those two things together. That yes, God is shaping us through suffering, but God is also on the inside by his spirit, helping us as we suffer. Look at verse five. Paul says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is being given to us. He first starts by saying this hope doesn't put us to shame, as in this hope can be relied on. But he says that we don't do this on our own, do we? But God helps us on the inside individually as we suffer, but also as a church family. Sometimes when we suffer, we all suffer together. But God, by his spirit, is helping us on the inside. When someone becomes a Christian, God, by his Holy Spirit, comes to make his home within them. Which means that Christians can be shaped by suffering because they are not alone. God is on the inside helping us as we suffer by his Spirit. And if we're in any doubt that that God can be relied on to do that in those tough times, as we often question why things are happening, why, God, are you allowing me to suffer? Well, the proof of of God's goodness to us is in what he has already done. Look at verse 6. Paul says, you see, he wants us to pay attention. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, utterly powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us. Paul says we were totally unable to save ourselves from our sin and from being judged as guilty. But God's timing was perfect in saving us. And and as Paul writes this, he he explodes with delight in verse 7 and 8 as he reflects on what Christ has done for us in giving us this indestructible hope. Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. So Paul means kind of an okay kind of person. People don't normally die for them. Well, then he goes on to say, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, not good, not righteous, but sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Paul says how incredible this is. Our indestructible hope. Which means that when we suffer, we can trust him because he has already shown how committed he is to that hope. To our hope. And that means that that when we suffer, we don't need to fear suffering. We're not a slave to fear and to suffering because the hope we have is indestructible. Look at verses 9 and 10. Since we have now been justified by his blood, so so made right with God by Jesus shedding his blood on the cross, his sacrifice, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He's thinking about the future and the day of judgment. And he makes this point again. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life you see jesus has already done everything necessary to ensure our future our indestructible hope christians don't need to fear god's wrath in that way they don't need to fear the day of judgment because jesus has done everything necessary to save them they just need to trust and believe in him this is the indestructible hope that christians have so do you see then how how suffering even the worst kind of suffering then can't take this away even death we think about persecuted christians around the world who are threatened with death perhaps if they don't convert to to whatever the religion is in their country but even in threatening them with death well for the christian they are being threatened with heaven They are being threatened with an indestructible hope that cannot be taken away. Whatever suffering they are going through, it will only make that hope greater. You see, Christians have a new state of being. They have peace with God, which of course leads to them experiencing peace in their life. But they also have a new place that they're living in. They have access to God and a new future that cannot be taken away. And because of that, They don't need to fear suffering because God shapes us and helps us when we suffer. And whatever it is that we suffer, whatever this week or this month or this year or in our lives we suffer, that hope in him can never be taken away. That is the indestructible hope that Christians have. And that's what we pray that that baby grace will grow up hoping in. What Jesus has done for her. That indestructible hope. But if you want that kind of indestructible hope, perhaps you're aware that the things that you are hoping for in life could be threatened by suffering. Well, you want an indestructible hope that no suffering can take away. And there's only one place to look. Look to Jesus. For our indestructible hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for the hope that you have given us, a hope that we don't deserve, a hope that we were unable to get for ourselves, but a hope that you have graciously given us through Jesus dying in our place on the cross. Lord, whatever it is that we, we find ourselves hoping in, we pray that we would first of all find our hope in you based on what you have done for us. Lord, if that is that is new to us today, then help us to understand, help us to trust you that you are good and that you want us to receive that indestructible hope in our life, that we need not fear. And Lord, when suffering comes, and it often does, help us not to fear it, but help us by your Holy Spirit to know that you are helping us with it and to experience change, to become more like you in our suffering. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.